everything for us as women, women in business, just women in general is relationships are our biggest currency. And it's also one of our biggest motivators, I feel, for what we do day to day is we want to feel connected. We want to feel supported. A lot of us are very nurturing. You know, we want to feel like we're supporting others. And those are the things that are really the building blocks, I feel, as opposed to just focusing on like more money in the bank and stuff like that's almost the byproduct of what happens when we really are allowing ourselves to be in community to really build a true relationship-based ecosystem whether we're a stay-at-home mom if we're a businesswoman like whatever it is it's really hard to thrive without actually having true relationships if we isolate ourselves and kind of lone wolf it Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. My name is Talia Joy, and today I'm sitting down with Jenna Faye Madden. You guys are going to love this conversation. Jenna is a soul evolution guide, a new earth architect, and a seven-figure leadership and business mentor for conscious female entrepreneurs. Today we are talking about the power of community and connection, especially for us women. So whether you are an entrepreneur, a mama, a goddess on the path. Today, Jenna is really breaking down and we're having such an expansive conversation around how we need community and nurturing and sisterhood in order to thrive. I know that I got so much out of this conversation as it's something that I'm really going through myself, healing the sisterhood wounds, seeking and finding community and really starting to experience that power for myself. So I know that you're going to get so much out of this as well. Make sure to go find Jenna on social media. You can check the links below. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's welcome Jenna onto the show. Hello, Jenna. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? How's it going today? I am so good and so pumped to be here. This is going to be incredible. I can already tell. Yeah, this is going to be really good. I'm excited for what we're going to talk about. Um, For anyone listening, um, before we hop on, before I hop on with a guest, I like to always ask, you know, what's coming up that you're really passionate about right now? Because it's one thing to have like a website in our bio, but when I hear what's going on for you and then what you were sharing and what we're going to talk about, it just made me so excited. So I love this so much. I'm so excited to talk today. Um, can you just start by giving us a little overview of who you are and what you do and just kind of, um, yeah, let us get to know you a little bit. Yeah, of course. So yeah, my name is Jennifer Madden and my whole thing, my whole focus, my mission is really ultimately getting more money in the hands of conscious women because I believe that the more we rise up into our power, our purpose, our potential, and we have the resources available to us, the more we're going to see collective change in the world. So I am a conscious business and leadership strategist and coach. So I really work with a range of women from coaches, healers, publishers, therapists, but ultimately working with them on both the energetics and the actual practical strategy to take their business to the next level. I always say I like to make business simple. I find we like to overcomplicate the fuck out of things and make it a lot harder than it needs to be, or we're just not enjoying the process, I feel, as much as we can. You know, many of us get into business to make an impact, make more money, follow our passion and purpose, but then we end up feeling like overworked, underpaid, 
employees within our own business. So it's, it's really my mission to change that. Mm, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I feel seen and heard. Um, <laughs> this, this journey is crazy. They say, right. You trade the nine to five for the 24 um, seven yeah. because sometimes it does feel like that and getting lost in the world of like, what should I do? And you know, what's going to sell and what should, how should I do this? And, you know, um, I really hear that like dropping into the enjoyment and the pleasure and fun of what we're here to do. I find makes it really simple, makes it much more simple. I feel like I overcomplicate it and there's still room to improve, but I definitely hear you on that. It's like, it doesn't need to be that hard. And so I love what you do and I love money in the hands of conscious women, I think you said, or humans. Um, but that's just so powerful because that, you know, money isn't everything, but with money, we can make great change. So you think, you know, if you think in your mind's eye of these conscious people having the wealth, owning the wealth, that's powerful right there. I love that. Yeah, you know, I, I heard somewhere and I can't I can't give credit where credit's due because I can't remember where or who I heard it from, but there was a statement I heard a long time ago that when good people make good money, they do great things. And that always really stuck with me. And and I feel like in especially in this industry and world of spiritual women and entrepreneurship, there's a lot of poverty consciousness and wounded healer archetypes and things playing out where we are literally these pioneers and lineage breakers here to pave a new way. And it it isn't always easy and it isn't always glamorous, but I do feel there is this movement happening on the planet where we're starting to normalize that it's safe. It's okay. It's a good thing to actually be a well-resourced woman because we can do a lot of great things when we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, amen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. It's also breaking a lot of times that those money things, right? Money's dirty or money's evil and all that stuff. And we're just breaking right through that being like, we can make a massive difference with these resources. You know, we can build things, we can create, we can give back, we can build community. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I definitely hear you in that. I'm excited about all of that. I thank you for doing this for all of us. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're all we're all in it together. That's, that's I feel like the big piece. And what I'm so excited for wherever our conversation leads us today is is this energy of community and the fact that we really are stronger together. And I think that for many of us, whether we're talking awakening or specifically entrepreneurship, it can end up being and feeling a very lonely journey, especially I feel like in the early stages, although I feel like that can carry on throughout depending on on how we navigate it. But I know for me, you know, my family, my friends, like the people I locally knew or even kind of virtually knew for a long time didn't really get what it was that I was moving through, what my views on the world were different than theirs, starting my quote unquote little business, which I had to laugh the other day when speaking to my in-laws. And I mean, this is seven years into growing business, you know, over seven figures. And they're like, are you guys going to be able to make that little business work down in, in Mexico? <laughs> you know, but we can feel really Cute. isolated when <laughs> people don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think 80% of my family doesn't know what I do because (laughs) there's also the like, you don't really understand. So I'm just going to keep saying life coach. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them still think I do nutrition, which was like eight, nine years ago. They're like, you still have to help people with nutrition. I'm like, yeah, something like that. (laughs) Nutrition of the soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it it is, it it is, it can feel very isolating. So let's talk about that. Um, 
as you were talking about the, you know, we're just starting to bring up community. I was thinking about how women often are even pitted against each other or entrepreneurs, we compare or we're trying to, I don't know, gain followers over someone else or whatever. It's just icky. So what do you think has brought us out of community and just, yeah, let's start talking about it. Yeah. You know, I, I think fundamentally a lot of this comes back to childhood sisterhood wounding, you know, I think some of it is ancestral. It's something that's been really also programmed deeply just into our society as kind of a patriarchal thing as a program. I think that's been run to not trust other women because just like many of the other kind of matrix codes in our society, it's basically separation programming because we are so much stronger together. And and then I think on kind of a linear timeline of what's gone on in for, for most of us is a lot of sisterhood kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I was majorly bullied throughout school. I switched schools multiple times. I had death threats. I mean, by the time I was actually an adult, so to speak, of, you know, 18 years old or whatever, far before I I created my business, I already was very leery towards other women that pushed me into an abusive relationship. I feel that I kind of latched onto for like seven years where I really isolated myself in that relationship and fixated on that relationship. So by the time I was in my mid twenties and kind of starting my business, there was a lot of unprogramming and like unfucking myself that needed to happen to trust women in like so many different levels, whether we're talking mentorship colleagues, even clients, you know, I had like abandonment wounds, like I had a lot of stuff that needed to be unpacked that I had carried with me for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Are you me? I, I <laughs> My listeners that have been listening for a while are probably like, what? Because I went through bullying and death threats. And it's weird that you're yeah. saying that. And as you were speaking, side note, I had a realization of maybe that's part of the wounding with women because all the bullies were women or friends, girls that turned against me and whatever. I was aware yeah. of the abandonment part, but I was like, all of a sudden I'm light bulbing. Wait a minute. It was always women that betrayed me. Interesting. Okay. So I put a pin in that for this second, but um, yeah, that is so interesting. You're right. And it's like that distrust. And I think when we are pitted against each other, almost like by default, we've just kind of reacted to that. And I don't know if this is, you know, scientifically or behaviorally or whatever true, but I feel like women kind of size each other up until we consciously get into this community mentality and start going like, oh my goodness, look at you, you powerhouse, you beautiful, powerful human, instead of feeling intimidated. It's like, we're we're, yeah, like you said, just influenced in every angle to compare and to sort of combat rather than gather together. Also the power of women together. I mean, they probably don't want us to do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, like this is just my perception, but I imagine and I, and I feel, and I believe in, in more ancient societies, there, there wasn't really any of that. You know, women were just so in their power. It was more matriarchal sisters came together, you know, there was, there was probably like such a deeply woven community that was happening of of trust and sisterhood, generally speaking. But I feel like in the more recent centuries where there's been so much war programming and all of this, I'm like, it totally, it makes sense. It's sad, but I feel like it makes sense on kind of a 3D level that women were kind of pitted against each other because from like a biological survival 
standpoint, it's like you literally wanted to be like the prettiest. You wanted to be picked. Like it was kind of competition against other women to hopefully be picked, to have a husband, to have support, to literally survive, maybe not thrive, but survive. And although our society isn't necessarily totally like that anymore, I think the shadows of that have really stayed. And there's been so much trauma and additional programming put into our society for for women that it's just showing up now I feel like in different ways and although it is dissolving and we're moving into a new paradigm I, I definitely feel for a lot of us the heaviness of that is still very present and mm-hmm. this is how I think it plays out too especially going through things like adolescence and you know young adulthood where things are just kind of hard and people are finding themselves and I, I always think hurt people hurt people. And so when we have a lot of people, probably, especially in our generations, although I'm sure it's still going on today, I think there was just like a lack of tools, a lack of support Mm -hmm. from people's parents, you Mm -hmm. know, it was like wounded inner child raising children and and Mm -hmm. still like those things and patterns were carrying on where I look back and even though it was very hard at the time, the level of bullying and things I moved through, which felt very unwarranted and felt very random, to be honest. I can look back now and see a lot of those girls, they were hurting, you know, like I remember the the one who was the meanest to me, her dad had committed suicide yeah. about six months before it all started and jumped off a hotel building. I mean, I didn't connect that at the time mm-hmm. and it created such a trauma in me of like fundamentally I'm flawed, like what's wrong with me? And then that rippled out into so much more. But really looking back, I think it, it really didn't have all that much to do per se with with me at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the same. My The worst bully with the death threats, the police were involved, all that. Her mom was not present and heavily into addiction and her dad was gone. And she was on her own a lot as teenagers, as 12-year-olds. You know, she was like in the house by herself. And like, I again, I didn't compute. I remember being at her house before and it felt cold and not clean mm-hmm. and not warm and not loving. And I didn't think about any of that until so long later. And I realized that like, oh, okay, that she's literally acting out her own sense of disempowerment and just looking to like have some sort of power maybe and as well as lots of yeah. other aspects like her hurt is just coming out and I was just in the crossfires or crosshairs or whatever they say yeah yeah, yeah. literally literally and I, I think so many of us have experienced that and maybe some listeners maybe some were on the other side of this mm-hmm. too and you know maybe they were the bully at some point I mean I know mm-hmm. for me I can think of a couple examples. I I feel like that wasn't so much my experience in PATH, but there were certainly a few moments where I feel like I was, I was catty or, you know, not necessarily the nicest person. And mostly because I felt like it was a survival response of fighting back from all the bullying and things that I had going on. But either way, like my trust in other women was Mm -hmm. very much broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting with the biological aspect. I have a lot of like, I feel that that's really interesting to understand, like our ego and there are our sort of survival mechanisms. Cause then when we know that's what's coming up, we can go, okay, we don't really need to survive today. A lion's not running after us ego. We can chill, you know, thank you for trying to eat all that stuff. So to have that awareness of, I might be feeling defensive or like, I don't want to let this woman in or who is she or who does she think she is or whatever. Okay. That could just completely be survival. Let's just check in there rather than 
jumping to just continuing to fuel it, questioning it. Because with uh, me and my husband had a funny conversation once where I was saying, I feel like women tend to, when another woman walks in the room, they tend to like eye them up. And he's like, yeah, like, what are you eyeing them up for? I'm like, I think it's who's the most attractive. And then we were talking about how biologically, exactly like you said, we want to be the most attractive. And I said, do guys do that? They're probably not looking around. He's like, yep. I'm like, well, what do you size? He's like, can I take him? basically who's the strongest in the room? Could I beat all these guys or is there someone I have to look out for? I was like, wow. You know, and I found that. So that's exactly what you just said. It is so fascinating, right? So just starting to be aware, I mean, we might just have a defense up because of that, something that's not even consciously true or valid anymore. I don't feel like every woman's going to come take my man, (laughs) you know, on a a conscious level. Um, It's just fascinating. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. You know, I think it's just, it's funny how these things play out and it can often be really subtle. And I I still can observe these things poking up from time to time and they might be a little quieter now than they used to, but I'll have moments or I used to have moments where say like a client would message me and I'd have a voice note or something. And it was funny to observe that sometimes my initial thought would be, oh my God, well, they probably hate me now and they want to leave and they're going to try to cancel and they, they must not want to work with me anymore. And I'm like, really? Like, that's my first initial thought, you know? And then it's funny because you play the voice note. It's something totally positive. They're like, great. thank you so much for that <laughs> <Yeah>. thing, right? <laughs> but just to notice where, like, gravity can take us in these moments, you know, where I'm like, well, is that even true? And a lot of the time it wasn't even based on having experiences in my business of having people say those things and do those things. And I was mm-hmm. like, hmm, interesting how my inner child or inner teen is like literally trying to be the CEO here of my business with her wounding. Yeah. I remember I used to have that. You reminded me that so I get a message and immediately I'm like, they're going to cancel. They want a refund. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it's so funny. Cause now I don't think I'm like, Ooh, what do they want? Like, that's fun. You know, I don't think of that anymore, but that's so funny. So with community, let's talk about the powerful aspect. I know with myself, a lot of my clients, we've entered this era of like, fuck it. I want other female friends. I want, whether it's other mom friends, entrepreneur, just women's, women's, (laughs) women, goddesses in our life, you know, like we are ready. We are ready to put this behind us. Um, I'd love to just hear from your perspective, the power of community and how we can kind of go about that or just where that leads us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, how do I even put this (laughs) into words to encapsulate it? Because it truly is everything. It is so powerful. And I feel from a feminine masculine energy perspective, as women who, I mean, generally speaking, and this could be a whole thing in itself to go into feminine masculine, but I believe that typically women are more feminine, men are more masculine. Of course, there's exceptions to that. So this is generalization, but the feminine is more motivated by relationships and experiences and feelings. The masculine is more motivated by things like respect and drive and purpose. Now, of course, as women listening to this, we all have both of them within us, but usually the feminine is like at least slightly stronger. And if we had to pick, this is kind of what I ask clients. I'm like, well, if you had to pick, would you rather feel connected and cherished or would you rather feel respected and on purpose? And usually the answer is cherished and connected, even though the other piece is still important. And I feel like this is the foundation of really everything for us as women, women in business, just women in general is relationships are our biggest 
currency. And it's also one of our biggest motivators, I feel, for what we do day to day is we want to feel connected. We want to feel supported. A lot of us are very nurturing. You know, we want to feel like we're supporting others. And those are the things that are really the building blocks, I feel, as opposed to just focusing on like more money in the bank and stuff. Like that's almost the byproduct of what happens when we really are allowing ourselves to be in community, to really build a true relationship-based ecosystem, whether we're a stay-at-home mom, if we're a businesswoman, like whatever it is, it's really hard to thrive without actually having true relationships if we isolate ourselves and kind of lone wolf it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So what do you think is community? Like your definition? Because I have clients that like, yeah, have a lot of friends, but it's kind of the same old and they, they, they're not really aligned anymore. So it's like, it's not really about quantity. There's something about it that's quality, right? Like what is community to you? This is a good question. Yeah, to me, community, like you said, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And I feel like it's about depth. Like something I posted about yesterday or the day before, it was just on my heart is I had this just moment of gratitude where in in the span of one day, and it wasn't pre-scheduled or anything, like one of my long-term best friends who is totally on a different life path, you know, she's not an entrepreneur, she's a mom, you know, she's living in a small town on the east coast of Canada, like moved back there. And we hardly ever talk. But she called me and we had a great video chat and we just got to catch up and just pick up where we left off. And I was like, wow, I value that so much. It's so it's so nice. And then I was messaging with another friend who I've never met in person, but we had such an in-depth conversation where I think it's about feeling really seen and mm-hmm. heard and, and where people are authentically there. Because I'm sure everybody like me has has friends where they've kind of become more acquaintances and things Mm -hmm. over the years where you might still have love for them, but they're not necessarily the people that you feel like you can count on or the people who you feel like they really get you. And and so there's so many different roles and dynamics, but I I really think the fabric of a true community is presence and true witnessing, like really seeing each other, caring about each other and where it goes beyond just what I consider to be transactional relationships, which I think a lot of us in kind of the old paradigm of our lives, pre-awakening and stuff, that was for many of us, probably our only relationships and our community was a lot of just like transactional or or surface level um, kind of relationships, which isn't right or wrong. It's just not necessarily like that true community that I feel we all crave. Yeah. And I think when we're young, our community is our family because we grew up in our house and we have a mom or a dad or siblings or whatever our situation is. We have family and we all know some of our family. It's like, I would not choose you to be my friend. So you learn community is this is that thing. And as you get to be older and you get outside of whatever high school, whatever, you realize you can choose your community more selectively and you don't just have to have someone because they've been your friend. They don't, they're not necessarily always on like the inner circle, but like you say, you could catch up every once in a while. Um, and kind of, there could be those people that you just see because you've gone way back, but then those people you catch up with that you're like, Oh, I haven't talked to you in a year, but you are still nestled in my heart. Like, you know, like your friend. And I really value those. I have a couple people I've known my husband since high school. So there's a couple friends that I've known since I was literally 14, including him. And I will say like, I value that so much. The couple of people that have seen me like the gray hair or not the gray hair, the green hair, the black (laughs) hair, all of the piercing, angsty, big chain wallets 
moving here, moving there, getting married, getting divorced. Like you guys have seen me through everything and you still love me and see me. And that means so much. Um, so there's that type of community too, that you can feel like you can really be you with. And then there's a lot of newer people I've found and especially women that like you say, we can see each other in the depths of the sobbing, crying, and we're just like sitting there holding space for each other or whatever it is. It, it, there's definitely that element of being seen and heard. Um, I wonder why that's so powerful. It's like it validates us, although we know we don't quote unquote need validation. It's this feeling of, okay, I can go on. I've been seen. I've been heard. Do you know why that's so powerful? Just curious. My thought is is, is because it's so powerful to feel and be held. And mm -hmm. I think that doesn't necessarily always come that easily or, or that natural, like you said, too, especially when we're kind of looking at this through our kind of given communities, you know, with, with growing up, which is like our family or neighborhood kids and people we go to school with, maybe, you know, people, if people go to church or whatever, and like, these are just kind of this community that's been handed to us versus as we get older and we get to curate and really create that for ourselves. But I just think it's so powerful and something that we all deeply crave, especially as we are on this awakening path and the veil is kind of lifted to realize that there's just so much more depth available there, like depth within ourselves, but depth within mm -hmm. relationships, what depth within like sacred, you know, unit uh, unions as well. Like all of these things where it's like, Oh, there's so much, more available here. I feel like this ranges into business, into sex, into all of it, where a lot of us are just kind of first up serve these surface level things. And then we see this gateway where there's so much more available there to us. And it's like, give me, give me more, you know, like once you start to connect to it, I feel like there's no turning back. Like you crave mm -hmm. it you desire it. It's a new standard and almost expectation in our, in our somatic body as well of, mm -hmm. of really wanting to feel that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like without words, it's like, you're enough. I see, or maybe even it's like, I see you, I witness you and I still love you. And it's like, yeah. that is source energy. That's unconditional love. Maybe that's exactly like you're, you're saying, it's almost like witnessing, seeing, and still being there. Cause we're afraid that if we show our ugly, if we react or we break down or we're not strong, people aren't going to love us as much. And so to be witnessed, especially in hard times, it's really this like, oh, I think after my husband watched me give birth, I'm like, well, now you've seen it all. So now I feel even more comfortable with you. Maybe a bad example. But sometimes when we get to witness people at their most vulnerable time, whether it's that or anything else, um, you do grow closer when you go through something with someone. And then also the power of being witnessed in your successes. I'd love to hear you talk about that, too. Yeah, I think that's such an important point here is like the polarity, the duality of both. And as you were sharing that, you mentioned childbirth and, and just kind of being seen in our vulnerability. I, I It gave me a flashback of something that I think is a really great little side story to this is this was about five years ago now. And I went to a leadership event in Australia and oh my God, so much happened at this event and there were so many different exercises and things, but one will always stick with me. And I'm like, I don't know if I would ever do it again per se, but I did it at the time. And there was about a hundred of us at this event and didn't really know what was coming until it happened. One of the days at this event where everybody was invited, I won't say they had to, but everybody did. Everybody had to get naked, fully naked. 
And we were in this like semi circle horseshoe and one by one, everybody had to go up in front of everybody else while naked and say their biggest guilt, shame, and fears. And the coaches, and it, it sounds maybe traumatizing and maybe slightly was, but it was also a very safe, loving space that had been cultivated. But at the same time, the coaches wouldn't let you half-ass that. Like people went up and if you weren't actually in your truth and being honest with yourself and everyone, like they would make you go again. And I learned through that experience so much, so much, so many layers of, of learnings through that process. But one of the big things just in hindsight of observing that exercise and that process was number one, the power of community, but the power of really being vulnerable and being fully witnessed and seen, like not just the naked part, but sharing and being held without judgment through that. And I mean, many people from that event, I am still very good friends with today. And it doesn't mean people have to do that in order to have deep friendships and relationships. However, that that's a more extreme example, but something that really did stick with me throughout the years. I don't know if that makes sense or sounds totally crazy, but then, yeah, I can definitely share the positive side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Well, when you see someone's nipples, you just got, you're closer to them after that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, that's insane. I almost can't believe that's legally possible, but that I know, is right. It was, a, it was at a convention center. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Didn't like at the Marriott, know. just whipping off your, your clothes. Um, but you know, I, I love to do things that challenge myself and coming into mm-hmm. what you're saying, like the reward is so big when we really do hard things, right? Like I can do hard things. And I think of that with like ice baths. It's a good example or cold baths it every time it is so hard I'm also a being of warmth but every time it immediately is like whoo and then the more I do it the more when every when something happens in daily life that's hard I'm like I put myself in a cold bath this morning like I've got this it's like the more hard things you do the more resilient you become and then the whole aspect of everyone seeing you and you sharing such vulnerable things you feel shameful about all of that but it's just that simple act of like doing those vulnerable things and it there is such a reward but it's so natural for us to be like never mind don't want to do that I'm walking out right because we don't want to it's scary but pushing ourselves I love doing those things that feel so aligned but feel really difficult. I also love fasting and things like that, that I'm like, this is an inner journey. It's hard, but it's so rewarding at the same time. Um, so I hear that in that, like a vulnerability challenge, basically. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And, you know, you said something so important there too, where it, it is the inner challenge and work. Like, I think the biggest thing for most of us with community is actually allowing ourselves to go deeper and have more community. And I think a lot of us actually still are keeping people at bay, so to speak, even if it's more energetic or subconscious, but where we're not truly allowing community, maybe we're not allowing sisterhood and it can be so sneaky. Like I've been traveling for seven years now and and for a really long time, I was kind of running this script of like, well, why really bother making friends where I am? Because I'll probably just be on the move again soon. So then I would focus virtually on my community, but it's also very easy, especially as entrepreneurs, I think sometimes to kind of have a facade or to like wear our coach hat, you know, we're really focused on being a nurturer and a caregiver and a supporter for others, but not actually allow ourselves to, in some capacity, have that vulnerability of, of 
being held, of being supported, mm-hmm. which actually I feel like allows us to be better and stronger in the reciprocal side of that as well, because we actually know what it's like to be held, to be supported. So it's like a win-win as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really hear you with that. I, I, I can fall into that where it's like if I'm struggling and then my ego is like, well, you don't want to say to someone else because then they're going to think you're not like as powerful as you say you are. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm pretty transparent with how messy this journey is, but still it's that. Uh, and also there's been times, I don't know if you've had this, but say it's a group program or some sort of container where you like share your heart or a video where you're like, right now I just, oh, I hit her child. And like nobody responds or says anything. And then you're almost like the downer in the group going like, but I thought I was allowed to share. And then it is so sometimes online isn't as personal. I've had many meetings. We have a goddess meeting with some soul sisters and there's three of us and it is personal. We light candles. Someone's always crying or we've got music. It's this beautiful place we create, but that's not always the same online and like a Facebook group and a this, it can feel like, okay, I'm supposed to give myself yet it's still just in a digital group somewhere. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear about those sort of the the positive aspects of being witnessed in your successes, which is something I find like group programs and things like that are great for like other entrepreneurs, like rooting you on that does feel so good. Um, yeah. And like, how do we also just, how do we start to create this? I hear people in my mind kind of going, okay, sounds good, but where do I find those people? So anything you want to say in that as well? Ooh, yeah, there's so much I mean, I could say about this, you know, I think first off is like, how do we find it? How do we create it? I think we have to go out and seek it and or intentionally create it ourselves, you know, like, we don't just wait for these things to come and find us and, you know, get this um, amazing aligned invite. I mean, that would be amazing. And I think it's about putting ourselves in the spaces and also very much the philosophy of you, you get out what you put in you know anybody can sign up for like a in-person or even virtual like women's circle or a mastermind or, or things where you could have opportunities to share take up space have community receive give all of these things and we can still kind of lose ourselves in a crowd you know we can still hide even though we're technically paying to be in it or we're registered or even like our physical vessel is there but we can still really hold ourselves back so I feel like it's about number one seeking and finding and putting ourselves in the spaces like just as an example in my in my world like this week in my membership I I felt like there was some like a community gap basically where I mean there's all these amazing women they're doing great things they're watching my stuff but I'm like you know the community piece like we, we need to cultivate more of a culture so I hosted a networking event and it was our highest attendance event ever that we've had in the membership and and almost 20 women were on and everyone's like, I don't want it to end. This is so great. You know, I'm connected. I didn't know everyone was so amazing, Mm. but like they had to show up and like get in the room and they had to actually, Mm. you know, like a few women, um, which I say with love, but like once we actually went into breakout rooms and stuff, so women could kind of like speed date and meet each other. I saw, and maybe it was just their internet, who knows, but like they dropped off. Mm-hmm. And boom, like they, they, maybe they couldn't handle it. You know, maybe they couldn't receive the actual connection and the, sh- and everything. And so they came, but then they're like, this is too much. I'm not ready for it. And that's not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But I will say like the women who stayed and they leaned in, they were so glad that mm-hmm. they did. And like today, before this, we recorded this, I paid and I went to a virtual networking call that just happened to show up in my field. And I'm like, this sounds 
great. And there was like 30 women on this and same thing. I was being put in breakout rooms and I'm a very introverted person. Like I could absolutely just talk to minimal humans for days on end. And that would feel very natural to me. So I think that's the big thing is, is we can easily come up with reasons and excuses to not or say that we don't know, but it really isn't all that hard to Google or ask other colleagues and friends and people we know or listen to podcasts. Like there is so many like literally limitless opportunities to network with people and mm-hmm. meet people or be in community or join programs, but we have to actually show up to it. And it, and like less is more, you know, if someone's listening to this and this is like a big stretch for you, it's like pick one thing and mm-hmm. go do that thing and, and do it well and show up and see who you can be and how you lead yourself through that process. And then if you want to do more things, awesome, but it doesn't have to be balls to the walls here. I think it's just about stretching ourselves mm-hmm. to actually connect with other people because I, I know I could totally be one of those and I have been one of those people where I can go into a room but not actually speak <laughs> to anybody but then check it off and be like yeah I was there it was great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I definitely I'm an introvert <laughs> as well and so it's it's easy to do that um, and, and it's, it's interesting how it is what you put in and you don't know at first, like, is everyone going to laugh at me? Are we going to have chemistry as friends? Is it, you don't know, but part of that is just showing up, like you said, putting yourself there. And I also think in person, like, like things around, um, common interests, like I personally, I don't ever want to like go to the mom's group and go to the blah, blah, blah. But when I first had a baby and I went to a mom's group with toddlers and there's other like haggard moms with coffee stains on their shirt and like the messy bun from yesterday with a toddler, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I feel seen and heard. So sometimes too, just picking something you enjoy like yoga, you know, frequenting, frequenting a studio or a workshop that your yoga studio is putting on. And with the intention of meeting like-minded people, um, can also be something that can help bridge the gap too over time. Cause it is hard. I remember being in high school, it's like, you just meet all your friends, you have all your friends, you get out, you're like, well, where do I meet friends now? You know, do I put a Craigslist ad looking for girlfriends or like, what do I do here? Um, so even that like bonding over common interests, if you feel alone as a mom, maybe that's somewhere to start instead of looking for someone that completely gets you from beginning to end, maybe it's that, or, um, you know, just your specific community might, feel good. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing is, is we can just start with what's natural, Mm -hmm. most natural for us. When I think of kind of early stages of me having more community, because it really, like, I really was very isolated when I was in high school and then into my twenties in my relationship. So I, I had, it's like the few friends I had, it was because they were, I worked with them or, you know, like I, I had already known them. I really wasn't putting myself out there and, and building a bigger community or a deeper community for myself. And I remember one of the big moves that I made for myself at the time was I was new into network marketing at the time. And that was kind of my gateway drug as it is. I know for many of us into entrepreneurship and I had worked with these products, had this big health transformation, lost like 70 pounds. And my upline, who's like not even in the same country, they're like, you need to go to these local events. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd rather die than go by myself to downtown Calgary and 
go meet people. Like that sounds absolutely terrifying, but like somehow I guess it was my higher self took me there. And the really funny thing was I, everybody went around and kind of shared, it was maybe 20 people at this event. And I shared a little bit about myself and I was so awkward and uncomfortable. And the funny thing is the girl who was sitting beside me, who I'd never seen or met before was my neighbor who had stolen my garbage can. Uh, and we were still really good friends today. And from there, I started meeting more people. I got more confident. Mm -hmm. And by the time I had started my, my own business, my kind of current business, you know, I was still this awkward, fumbling, introverted person, but I had some experiences to like draw mm -hmm. upon. I had some anchor points being like, okay, I did that. I survived. I didn't die. And I think a lot of this is kind of generic as it sounds, this comfort zone level stuff. Like I got more comfortable being uncomfortable, putting myself in new situations than I was comfortable staying in stagnation, you know, of the actual comfort zone. And so I could kind of start to sense and feel when I was not stretching myself and just kind of going back into my old ways. And that really became kind of a, a practice over and over and over for me in a good way to go, oh, okay, well, maybe it's time to, you know, go to this leadership event, get naked, or, you know, do some of these things <laughs> over the years, because I had all these like micro moments to, to stack, um, mm -hmm. because before I had nothing to draw on, but at some point, we have to kind of create those initial experiences of basically, okay, I did it, and I didn't die. Because as we know, on that kind of subconscious primal level, we literally feel like we're going to die because it's unknown. It's uncharted territory, but we have to be brave at mm -hmm. some point to put ourselves in a situation to create community and, and new relationships and things, especially if we don't feel like we have that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is about like putting yourself in the arena. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about how in my own mind, and then it, it occurred to me, I'm sure there's other people out here that feel this. In my own mind, even when we're talking about community, I'm thinking of it like one big community, like that all gets together. That's my community. But then I kind of was thinking, wait a minute. And I was going to ask you, do you have different community members in different aspects of your life. It's not that all these people, unless it's like a wedding or something, but it's not like all these people gather at one big grand retreat and this is my one support system. It's like support as a yoga teacher, support as someone healing chronic pain, support as a, some, you know, as a mom, as an entrepreneur. And these, it's almost like a support system for you your community. It's not necessarily all people that know each other. I don't know why that for me was like, yeah, I almost feel like I had to find this sacred circle that's out there that I have to join. But it's actually like gathering your support system over your life for your different needs and desires and dreams and all of that. Just like having my own little like, whoa, <laughs> is that how you see it kind of? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you you nailed that. You said it better than I could say it, but that that's kind of how I would visualize it and feel it for myself is this is not some big party you know like this big group that everybody knows each other and we're all together and it's great I mean that could be cool but I think the reality is it's almost like these micro communities these micro pockets where like you said every, every group or every person is, is filling different needs and ideally it's it's reciprocal but there's different strokes for different folks, so to speak, mm -hmm. where I have friends where I would never really introduce them, even though they're all great people, but it just wouldn't 
align and make yeah. sense. And it's like, I have entrepreneurial friends who get that and meet those needs and are a great community. And I have people who are, you know, more in the muggle world, so to speak, mm-hmm. but I really love them and they love and respect what I do. And we still have lots in common, like common hobbies, common interests. And there's kind of like the family camp there's you know all these different Mm. kind of groups and then there's even just within the virtual space lots of people who I've connected with for for different reasons you know some who are on the same kind of new earth ascension timeline as me where we have a lot of common and we're like yeah I see you I see what's going on in the world and then there's some where we have a lot of business connection and like things going on and there's that in common but I, I think the big thing I see and feel with this is like there's there's always a common thread but we can have all these different kind of camps of people mm-hmm. but within each of them like there's there's some sort of commonality that really drives the connection which makes sense too because when you meet new people when you can find that common ground like that's mm-hmm. usually what opens the gateway I mm-hmm. think to like deeper longer potential relationships that can form as well mm-hmm. when there's common commonality Mm-hmm. And especially I think your community, you find maybe a couple different areas you relate to because there's some people you work with and all day you're chatting. And then as soon as you don't both work at the same job, you're like, well, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so have you seen Bruce from work? And you're going like, oh, crap, we have nothing, right? So sometimes it starts out as one thing, but then we probably all had work friends that we're still friends with to this day. And it's been a decade since we worked at that place or more because we took that further. They became part of the community, not because they had to, but because there's something else there too. They're heart people or friends or whatever it is. Um, Yeah, that's really powerful. I wanted to say a little bit about, I, until I got in the entrepreneur world, as far as other coaches, other mentors in group programs and all that, I had never really experienced women rooting me on. And my bestie, she ha- she's my ride or die. When I have a win, she's like, yeah. When I'm at my low, she's there to rub my back. She's my bestie. But other than that, it's like I never fully got that. And I think that stems from my childhood, feeling abandoned, blah, 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 which I also have a question about. We'll hopefully get to that. But um, to experience other women going like, good job. Like I see you. I had even a client today. She's like, I just want to say it was a voice memo client. So I'm her mentor, but she's like, I need to pop in and acknowledge you. Like I'm seeing your stuff. You're so authentic. You're so on fire. Like I see you. I know what you've been going through. And I'm listening to the message, like dancing around. Cause she's also a powerful woman, an entrepreneur. And there was something about it. That's like this, what is that? Like, why is that? Especially other women, not just your parents being like, I'm proud of you. You're making at work. It's like true, like, yes. And even when they're down and they can still see your wins and be like, good job. And that true, I don't know, support is just, there's something I can't even put words to. Um, why do you think that's so like powerful women to women, you know, having that? I got, I got goosebumps just as you were saying that, cause it is so powerful. It, it really is. And I, I think this too comes to me back to kind of the feminine masculine principles because the masculine basically to me is, is the energy of I'm proud of myself. It's like self-validation versus the feminine. It's like, I'm so proud of you. Like it really does mean a lot because we're community oriented creatures where I think there's a big difference too, between receiving the support versus needing to be validated. You know, like Mm. I think that there's like a range and a spectrum here where we can fall into more, hyper femininity where we, we we like don't 
trust ourselves. You know, we don't take action. We don't do things. We don't move unless somebody else is basically giving us permission, which obviously is like the, the more distorted, less healthy version of this. But I think from the healthy standpoint of why someone who's like in her power on purpose, doing the thing, like to be witnessed by another woman is it's almost like they're mirroring our power and potential where it means a lot coming from another sister because it's dissolving that old programming code of competition and separation to be like, Mm -hmm. I see you. And it, it really, I think shows us and really moves us in our heart, you know, brings us back into our heart and out of our head where we're, you know, at one point wondering like, does anybody see me? Is this even worth it? Am I doing a good job? You know, and we're out of our own inner authority. And I think when we get that mirroring back from another woman, it's not even validation, but I feel like it it mirrors back this power that we can go back into our heart and actually be more in our sovereignty and in our own inner authority and power being like, yeah, I do. I got this. And I have this community, this like wolf pack of women who are behind me where I know I'm not walking this alone. And I think that just gives us so much strength that that, that that's why it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like life force energy. And yeah, I noticed that in my clients, like supporting other women, it's like it expands my heart when I can say to them, like, good job, or you're inspiring me as a mom or as an entrepreneur. Like, it's like you put everything aside. You put all the the all that instinctual or the whatever the survival shit we're talking about the competition the witch wounds it's like we put it all aside to be like i see you and it opens my heart to give that to women and i think receiving has been a harder one for me where it's like i don't feel like i get that and that's been kind of i can give it but then to receive it is also like holy crap i really can take on the world <laughs> you know and um i yeah. hear you too the fine line. It's not that we need that validation in order to know we're okay. But when we do that and we conjure that up and we're being badass and then someone witnesses it, it's like, yeah, it's like your birthday vibes, right? I love when people say happy birthday. Thank you. I will take that. It's, it's, it's good. It feels just so healing. So healing. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, quickly, do you see a correlation between women that have a hard time connecting with women and the mother wound? If they had a hard time with their mom in some way, that transferring into having a hard time with women in general? I love this question. And I I think yes. And I think of, of course, this can come in so many forms. Like just to use myself as an example, I have a very loving lovely mom. And two things I I noticed that I've done a lot of healing on within myself through that is number one, my mom and I have had a very reverse relationship. I don't know if you've experienced this or had clients or community, but you know, essentially I, I would say my mom and I love her, but has the maturity, um, and capacity of like maybe a 12 to 14 year old. And I read a long time in a book that oftentimes if, if you can pinpoint an age when your parent kind of stopped parenting you, it's like, that's, that was like their max, their cap, you know? And it, and I, and it really rang true for me. And so what that did though, was put me into a state of hyper responsibility and like over maturity and like, you know, really needing to kind of like fend for myself, but kind of over compensate. And also I then became very much a caretaker which started more with her, but then like rippled out into many other relationships where I took it on almost as an identity. So I definitely feel like just using that as an example, like that was one big 
piece and also um, watching my mom as well in her own way to be like quite a people pleaser, um, very nurturing, loving person, but also like lack of boundaries, but also lack of depth too. Like, you know, in hindsight, my mom didn't really have a lot of close female friends. They were friends, you know, where they would go out partying together or, you know, whatever, but they, they weren't really like there for each other. And there wasn't, I don't feel like deep conversations and I wasn't really seeing that modeled to me. So I feel like already then you compound and bullying and all the other things, but I feel like fundamentally that wasn't really something that I had mirrored for me. So I do think that our relationship to our mom, both in our dynamic with our mother can definitely template for us, like how we should interact with other women. And then also our observation of how our moms are with other women as well, where then we're looking to that. So I think there's a lot of layers to it, but I think the short answer is yes, definitely. There is a a strong correlation between our moms and us as women in how we relate to other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that just about your childhood. I know I've definitely had clients that can relate to that, that like basically being more mature than your mom and not saying that in judgment and slander, but just that's sometimes what happens. And I also know on a soul level, sometimes like people think that your parents must be like older souls than you, but that's not always how it works. And you're here to teach her. Yeah. And you're here to teach her as well. So if she kind of doesn't cap out that maturity, she's probably a younger soul, but anyway, yeah. And, and I felt like personally that I couldn't trust women. It was like, I didn't see that the women in my family, my perception is they talk behind their back, they're catty, um, betrayal, abandonment. So I looked at women for a long time as like way too much drama, way easier to be friends with men and friends with boys, guys in high school, whatever. Like it was, I was always had more guy friends because women were just too much. They were going to stab you in the back. They were going to be dramatic. That was all what I said to myself. And so I also attracted that and I'd be like, Nope, there, there's my proof. Right. But it wasn't until kind of after high school and it was like, well, I'd really like like a girl to chill with too, with all these guys talking about cars and mechanics. And like, I'd kind of like a, you know, and then realized to, I found my own, you know, um, community and circle of women that weren't like that as I healed my relationship to women in general and that judgment that I had. So So it is, yeah, it's very interesting how that can come out in our relationship with women and community. Um, So thank you so much. This has been so incredible. I would love to talk before we go about your business and about if people are looking for community with you, entrepreneurs, just wanting to follow you, check out what you're doing. What do you offer? What's your business like? Uh, Where can we find you? All that fun stuff. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to to share. So my business, my brand is called Soul Meets Strategy because that is very much what I am all about. What I stand for is that intersection point between spirituality, leadership, energetics, and practical, tactical, how to actually take a business to the next level. So like I said earlier, you know, I work with all sorts of different female entrepreneurs, mostly service-based. So coaches, healers, authors, therapists, etc., who are really good at what they do and they're doing the things in their business, but they want to take turn the dial up. They want to amplify things to the next level. So through my different programs, mentorships, that's really what I like to work with women on. I, I always call myself a teammate to their success where they know that I'm in their corner. And a lot of women in my world, you know, of course, some come and go or they come for a season, but a lot of women I've been working with, they come and they work with me and they stay for years. 
because mm-hmm. they're having results, but also because somebody really knows them intimately. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of comes back to the community and the relationships. Many of them come into my programs, whether it's my membership, my mastermind, and not only do they get me and my support, but they find a community, they find soul sisters, you know, they collaborate with each other, they create programs together, they refer people to each other. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like this, this proud business mama, you know, where I just love seeing this all orchestrate together, it truly lights me up. So I do work with women in a number and range of ways. I have a free community, I have my membership community, that's also where we do the networking call that I mentioned earlier, which I'm so pumped about. And I feel like it's just getting started. Like there's so much that's going to come from that. And then I work with women in in more depth and specialized ways as well in my mastermind and my other programs. I do a certification on embodied facilitation as well and helping women to become better and stronger space holders. Um, Kind of coming back again to that relationship piece feels like there's a theme here. Mm -hmm, And yeah, I mean, I hang out online. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and sticking to this theme of community. I really do love making new connections and community. If anybody's been listening to this and they want to connect on any level, then I am always more than happy to make the connection and follow each other and and just continue to build this soul tribe of amazing, incredible women up to big things in the world. Mm, Thank you. I love that. I'm like, I'm in. (laughs) Um, I will definitely put all of your links in the show notes for everyone um, to go find Jenna. This has just been this has just been so soul filling. And did you say you're Canadian? I know you're in Mexico right now. I also met you at Casey's live event, but you're, are you from Calgary? Yeah. Calgary's my hometown. Nice. Nice. I'm on Vancouver Island. So I'm just a province over from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Calgary's my hometown. And then I was living in the Kootenays and the Nelson area. That's like my home base. I'll be back there. Mm -hmm. I plan to buy something there, but I seem to come and go and come and go. Um, So yeah, I just drove to Mexico and this is where I am. I love this again. Thank you so much. I will put all of Jenna's stuff in the show notes. Go check it out for sure. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for what you do and for sharing yourself today. Yeah. Thank you, Talia, for having me. Thank you everyone for listening and being here with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on the Awakening Her podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and my guest. And if you did, we would love to hear from you. Come find us on Instagram. All the links are below in the show notes. Take a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, sharing your takeaways or your enthusiasm for the show. Tag us both over on Instagram. And if you do that, I will send you a free gift. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will see you in the next episode.